Hello and welcome to Birth Trauma Training for Birth Workers. I'm your host, Dr. Erin Bow, clinical psychologist and coach, mother of two traumatic births myself. This podcast is all about helping the helpers and supporting and training birth workers to feel connected and confident to navigate birth trauma. Advocacy and activism starts with conversations. My legacy is not going to be one of sitting around and saying, oh, well, that's just the way birth is. We can't change the system. Let's raise our voices while raising our vibrations. Trauma work isn't all dark and shadow. We can find light in without making light off. I want you to find growth, passion and purpose. Go back to the love, the joy, humanity that brought you to birth work in the first place. This podcast is also available in video format where guests have said, yes, let me be visible. Head on over to my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Erin Baum. Now, before we start, if you've been enjoying this podcast and you're listening on iTunes, can you hit pause for a second and leave me a review? I want these stories and support and messages of hope and growth to reach as many people who are interested in birth as I possibly can. Now, to do this, I need reviews. Reviews help the algorithm and they show the podcast to more people. There is no money in this for me. This podcast is just a small part of me being the change I want to see. It's also an excuse for me to shift out of mum life for, you know, an hour or so and have meaningful conversations with other grown-ups who are not quite as invested in fart jokes and Paw Patrol. I love stories. This is why I do what I do. This is why I do this podcast. Sharing stories can be such soul medicine. I really do believe that as healers and helpers, we cannot walk this path alone. We need support, a sounding board, and a circle, either a physical one or a metaphorical one for storytelling. Before we start, I wanted to remind you that I now have two birth trauma courses available. And at the time of recording this, Birth Trauma Training for Birth Workers has 500 people who've enrolled. Since I made the decision to make it more affordable and accessible, it's really started to take off. And so I thank each and every one of you who have shown up to do this work. The other course I've just launched is for birthing people. It's called More Than a Healthy Baby, and it's a three-part course. So the first section has information and education about birth trauma. The second part is all the practical tools and strategies. So that's direct based camera teaching. And the third part is where I cover pros and cons of different support options and where to for further help. It's not a replacement for therapy, just like the other course, but it is something that's accessible and available at 3am when all you have is your phone for company. Suicide is still the leading cause of death in new mothers and people don't always pick up the phone to ask for help, but they do pick up their phone to scroll. So if I can help in some small way by making sure that useful, self-directed content exists, then that's something. Both of these courses are hosted through a platform called Udemy. You can sign up for an affiliate for both if you want, which means that you'll get a unique link to share. And it means that if someone buys the course using that link, you get a small percentage of the sale. Both of my courses are currently under $100, so it's not much, but it is something. If that's something you're interested in, go to the Udemy website, I'll link below, and look up the process for becoming an affiliate if you're interested. 
let's talk about flashbacks. When I saw Midwife, Christy Watson's ad for birth trauma research popping up on my social media feed, I instantly had a flashbulb memory of being 20 years old and being knee-deep in my honours year of research. Truthfully, my memories of my honours year was that it was one of the worst years of my life. <laughs> I was ever aware that I probably didn't really deserve to be there. My year group was a bigger intake than normal and you know the anxiety levels and the competitiveness were high. Online research was not particularly viewed favorably back then, so I really felt like I was scraping together whatever research participants I could find for my project on PTSD. So I did a comparison of people who were and were not injured during their trauma and found that people who sustained a physical injury had more severe PTSD symptoms. Most of those research participants were my friends <laughs> and that research never saw the light of day. So. Fast forward to seeing a mum who is trying to get participants in an area that I'm super passionate about and she's a midwife who is juggling all of this with COVID-19 and homeschooling and three kids. Of course, my heart felt pulled to help her. And after listening to Christy's passion, I'm sure that anyone who can help her will want to do what they can, right? Because ultimately, research is what leads to policies. Policies is what leads to organisations being convinced to spend money and make changes. So if you can help a sister out, this could actually lead to phenomenal changes in birth trauma research. Good morning, Christy. How are you? Good morning. I am doing well today. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for joining us because I think this is going to be really, really interesting for people who have heard about birth trauma, know a bit about it, have supported people through it, but even like myself, have never done any actual research in it. So good on you. And we're all happy to support you. Awesome. Yeah, I'm getting so excited. I've just started the research or the actually I'm interviewing women about their experiences at the moment. And it is really getting me excited about the things that are coming out already that I can try and really focus on to help make a difference. So it's really exciting. Oh, that's so good to hear. So good to hear. So shall we backtrack? I always like to ask people, what drew you to midwifery? What was the, what was the one day I'm going to grow up and be a midwife? <laughs> story yeah, there so was one. I, no, I never had a one day. I was always going to be a teacher for some reason. I thought Interesting. when I was in high school. Yeah. And then I got to VCE and really struggled, found it really stressful. And I was like, I never want to go back to a school again. And one of my friends said, I want to be a midwife. And I thought, oh yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> and um, and uh, to begin, so I was 18 when I started my training and it was just, I thought, oh, babies, I like babies. I like families that, you know, I'll give that a try. Um, and, and that's how it began. Nothing really exciting and, and influential, but the training, um, was the becoming of me really the things that I discovered in midwifery and the power of women and you know it is beautiful and babies and families but it's so much more than that it is mm. you know the making of women and um, it really exploded my passion and I'm glad that I fell upon midwifery essentially because that time in my life when I was training particularly I was I was young from 18 to 21 and it really grew me into a woman as well learning to become a midwife um, so I'm so glad that I did it because I love it 
Yeah, it's, I, I don't think I've ever met a midwife who said, oh, yeah, you know, like it was okay. Like it's, yeah. It really is quite life-changing stuff. How did you find your training? Because I know a lot of people I've spoken to on the podcast have said, with the big highs of babies and birth and celebration also come some pretty big lows. And a common theme often is that people didn't necessarily feel they were well informed about the possibility for traumatic birth and vicarious trauma and just all the different things that yeah. get thrown at you. What was that like for you? So I remember um, the big, very beginning of midwifery, the my midwifery degree was very much about the philosophy of midwifery and all of the beautiful, incredible things that we want midwifery to be. And then that's the first year. And then the second year you go out and practice in hospitals and you go, oh my God, <laughs> this isn't what midwifery is. <laughs> um, and it's a bit disheartening and it's something that you have to battle through, um, seeing things that you think are not okay or women struggling and not being empowered. And it's, it is disheartening, but it also makes you go, well, if I... You know, if this upsets me, then I need to make sure that it's not something I do. And then you hope that other people who are training with you, you talk about it with them. And collectively, if we all think that, we can all make a difference. Um, mm. So you just have to power through and, you know, know, rely on yourself to make a difference. And if everybody has that mindset, we can all make a difference to make sure that the maternity care that women get is the best. Yeah, and I agree. I think that's a huge part of it. And even when you look broadly at trauma, it's that interpersonal aspect that seems to sometimes make or break someone's experience in terms of it. It maybe isn't so much in the event. I talk about this a lot. It's not necessarily so much in the event in the details itself, but it's in the how did that person feel? Did they feel seen? Did they feel heard? Absolutely. Did they feel supported and validated or did they feel that they were treated roughly, spoken to, rudely, ignored, yep. patronised, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the things that stand out in terms of things that you've seen and heard? I know that sometimes midwives are always a bit nervous, particularly if they're yeah. still employed somewhere to talk too much detail, but tell us about some of the things that you've seen and heard that have, you know, really stayed with you. Um, too often it's... I can't exactly pinpoint specific events. I do unfortunately have a terrible memory, but it's just more so um, the witnessing of how it, the system sort of is interpreted as that a doctor will tell you what is best and or, or a doctor or a midwife will tell you, your healthcare professional will tell you what's best and then that's what you do. Mm. Um, and that is what I see often, unfortunately, uh, that women aren't informed of their choices and that goes down a path where, you know, things can impact upon how women feel about their experience because they're just going through being told, you know, this is how it goes and they don't get to take control. And I think that's really important in a positive birth experience. Um, so as a result, we're seeing so many women miss out on that opportunity and then completely go in the opposite and we're having 
such a rising incidence of women experiencing a traumatic birth experience. Mm. So how did you come to deciding you wanted to do an honours degree? Because honestly, Christy, like it's, it was one of the worst years of my life (laughs) doing my honours degree. So I really feel for you in deciding to go back, particularly when you've already got children, like that's a phenomenal commitment. So there must have been a very strong drive in you to want to do this. Yeah, so uh, I've been a midwife for 10 years now and, you know, I do what I think I can to help make a difference but that only goes so far as an individual Um, and I recently started doing some you know taking up a role of an assistant unit manager as well and that gave me a little bit more room to try and do things the way I think um, is positive for women but then you get to a limitation of that's as much difference as you can make and these are the rules and this is the research and this is what we have to do. Uh, Mm. So I thought, well, I'll go and do that research so that something that I think is not going right can change because I'll have the research to back me up. So it's just that I feel that next step in, in my career and my input into midwifery. Um, The biggest reason that made me go back is I so I do all aspects of midwifery. I do maternity, like labour care, postnatal care after women have had their baby, antenatal appointments, um, home visits, and two things I found. One is in women coming back for a second or third or fourth pregnancy, and they book in for that very first appointment. And so often they, you know, I ask them about their previous birth, and then the tears come and they start talking about it. And I just find so much that one, no one ever, they may have never spoken about it or no one in in their healthcare team had actually validated that they had had a traumatic experience or even mentioned it to them or acknowledged it to them. Mm -hmm. And then two, that when I took the time to say, okay, tell me what happened about your birth. And then together we might have gone back on their notes and and I said, oh, well, this is what's written. And they said, oh, I didn't know that happened or I didn't know why we did that. Oh, or, oh, did is that what they did? And I was like mind blown that these women are carrying these traumas and then coming back to this next pregnancy, feeling so anxious and upset and worried. And they, you know, they didn't even know what happened in their previous birth or, you know, no one had ever said are you okay? Because that sounds really traumatic. And they just think, some women are like, oh, I feel so stupid um, that I feel like this or that I'm so upset. And, uh, you know, you must see this every day is what I get a lot. Mm. You must see that every day. It's not that bad. And I'm like, just because I see it every day, you don't experience something like that every day. And that acknowledgement just lacked. And I was like, this is not. And it's also not the time as well, having this first antenatal appointment that should be exciting. And these women are coming in and it's it's not exciting and they're, they're tra- talking about trauma instead. There should be something way before this time that, that women are able to get help and support. Mm. So that's what's really made, driven me to go and do this, you know, take on this topic as my research. Yeah, and so, so, so important because I, I don't think I can ever say it enough times that 
you guys are those first responders. Someone doesn't go and see a psychologist unless they're very well supported. They've got a lot of insight. Usually someone else has suggested it because we now have this culture, very unfortunately, but it seems to be a thing, just as you've touched on there, that it is the norm almost for people to expect, oh, yeah, birth is supposed to be bad, birth is supposed to be scary, and it must just be me. And it's, as you say, those exact words I hear all the time, oh, it's stupid to think this, oh, I shouldn't be thinking through this, everybody goes through this, I'm making a big deal. And all of that contributes then to this kind of like, it's just held in and held in and held in and held in until potentially, as you say, someone decides, yep, we want to continue our family. Yeah. Uh, now I have to deal with this and I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure how to talk about it. I'm not even sure how to prepare again. And they're just sort of stuck in this perpetual state of just feeling awful, which yeah, yeah is so yeah. hard to shift sometimes. Yeah. And just touching on something that you said there about women expecting, you know, there's that bit of culture now that women expect that birth is bad and horrible and painful. It's sort of another motivation for my degree because while I've seen some, you know, not great stuff in, in my career, I have also seen some incredible empowering in, you know, just amazing births. And there's so many elements that go into that they don't just happen Mm. um and more women deserve the opportunity for that so you know things do go wrong in in pregnancy and in birth they do and interventions need to happen um but even women who have had a bit of a tough pregnancy or a tough birth can still not be traumatized and have a positive experience and all women deserve that opportunity and it starts with the shifting culture and it starts from the beginning of a pregnancy and even the beginning, you know, in women becoming women and, and growing and what we're teaching them about birth. So mm. that, you know, that positive experience is a real drive for me because it is incredible and all women deserve the opportunity for that in birth because it's a really important and exciting time in their life, welcoming a child. Mm. I mean, it all fits back in with the, I always like to go back to the growth angle and the finding and the strengths and why it is that we're so conditioned to see, hmm, I suppose, the perceived failings, the perceived weaknesses, instead of, no, actually look at how amazing and strong you were for getting through that and the personal, spiritual, physical, everything, relationship growth that goes with that. I think maybe that's part of the shift, at least that's how I see it in my mind, where we've got to get out of this categorical type language and thinking and get it more dimensional. So you can have had elements of your birth that are traumatic, full of intervention, full of all sorts of yucky stuff, but then there's also the beautiful growth and the beautiful strength and the resilience and, yeah, figuring out ways to sort of... (laughs) improve things I think even just in the way that we talk about it so that we pull out the like it's not just all the oh poor you and isn't that terrible and isn't that horrible validation 100% so important but getting people to that next bit where they're like oh I did this and I'm strong and I'm a phenomenal like human being that's what I like to see yeah the things women go can go through in labor they is 
it blows my mind to watch them go through that and they get to the end and think that they were so weak or they didn't succeed. And I am standing there thinking the exact opposite, like, oh, my God, you're amazing. I can't mm. believe that you just endured all that. And yeah. about supporting women to have that view as well. Mm. So tell us a bit about your project. What's the, the who and the when and the why and the how and the all the all the ins and outs? Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, like we talked about before, it's part of my honours degree. So I would love to make this a massive project and really grow it, um, but I don't have the time frame. <laughs> That but it's honest. Like, it's yeah. not a Nobel Prize. It's honest. Yep, got it. Yeah. <laughs> so I am time limited. So I, um, which you know hinders me a little bit. But it's the beginning of something great. I like to think. Um, so my research project is particularly aimed. Um, I tried to find an area of research that was lacking a little bit in regards to birth trauma, and I found that there was quite a little bit. Uh, out there about women who may have had a high-risk pregnancy or women that resulted in cesarean section or women whose babies became unwell in the special care nursery. Um, so I sort of wanted to take it back to focus on women who were healthy, low-risk um, during their pregnancy and had a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that includes assisted forceps and, and vacuums. Um, that resulted in a healthy baby that didn't need extra care. So, you know, we end up with what everyone often focuses on, which is not where the focus should be of we had a healthy mum and a healthy baby. Yay. Um, But the experience of the woman does not reflect simply that we just had a healthy mum and healthy baby because she is not holistically healthy in her mindset. Mm. Um, so that is the women that I'm recruiting, the, the low, low risk pregnancy, normal labors and vaginal birth with a healthy, well baby. Um, so what is involved in that is I just want to hear about women's experiences. So I am recruiting women in Victoria. The reason it's for women in Victoria is just because I want to use, cause I'm new to research. I want to use my research for hospitals local to me. Um, or present um, locally. Yeah, sure. So just so I can talk to these healthcare networks and these healthcare professionals and say, I've the interviews that I've done are on your women, these women <laughs> that we are working with in Victoria. So listen, this is not, oh, these are other people, um, mm. the, our women that we're caring for or the women that we're working with. Um, so I am interviewing women about their experience asking them just to tell me about their experience it usually takes less than an hour to have a chat and it's just a a zoom chat um online um and then we sort of we talk about factors of what women found in in their healthcare providers that really helped their experience and maybe sort of had some positive elements Mm -hmm. and then as well as things that healthcare providers may have done or things that may have happened throughout their experience that really contributed to their trauma. Um, And then we sort of finish up with having a chat about what women think would have made a difference. So ways that we could potentially prevent birth trauma, things that could be in the system or that healthcare providers can do to avoid the trauma from happening. Uh, And then also the sort of treatment side as such of what women 
think they needed after their experience of birth trauma. Mm. So potential, there's a lot of power in that, even just in having that conversation. Oh, it's blowing my mind. I've only done a couple of interviews so far and the things that women are suggesting that it just blows my mind. And I think they're actually really simple things, but it's so valuable to get that feedback from women about what they think is going to make a difference. And for me to be able to put it together into a research paper and say, here's the evidence. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to change. And this is what we need to implement. Um, So that's, I love that we can, put the power in women's hands and I'm sort of just the person that's putting it together. Mm, and I love that because I think there will be lots of people nodding along going, yes, these are things that I say in my workplace all the time and it sometimes falls on deaf ears and it seems to be a common theme in so many midwives I've spoken to at least is that trying to get the power back to the person to say this is what happened to me is the way to get people to listen potentially but it's also very convenient in the fact that we've got a population of people who are sometimes very low coping shattered after birth apart from the fact we've got a new baby and they don't have the time or the interest so a lot of this stuff conversations that go on in places like this in the background just don't move to that next action phase so that's super cool that you get to be the messenger I love that yeah it's it's exciting often uh, in a workplace when things are implemented it you know you've got to go through stages of of funding and consulting with other healthcare teams and the thing that you always need to change policies and protocols which I know I'm hearing from the women I've interviewed that they say well you know this policy meant that I couldn't do this or I could do this um, to trying to change those policy protocols have to be research based. So if we can get that research, then we can make that difference and, and make it widespread. Mm. So do you have a deadline for data collection for people who might be listening to this month? Uh, in the future? Well, given our current COVID restrictions, it is meaning I'm, you know, it's impacting people's lives. So it has sort of, had to shake things up a little bit for my project timeline and plan because I'm finding which is happening for me too people have their kids at home um and they sometimes I'm finding a reluctant to say commit to saying oh I can't do that conversation because I'm going to have my baby and I'm going to have my kids and life is hectic which I totally get I'm trying to juggle juggle doing this research with three kids and a new baby (laughs) so um that I understand but so that is making meant that I'm having a bit of delays. But um, one thing I do want to get out there is I don't care if we end up having a two-hour-long conversation because for half an hour of that, you have to go and make your kids lunch and feed your baby and do other things. That's totally fine. I can sit there and wait. Um, So my my deadline was uh, supposed to be sort of the end of May to June, but um, the university is been really supportive and really flexible with the impact that COVID is having on research so uh, I'm sort of I want the I need to have the paper written by October November Um, so Mm -hmm. essentially I would really like to have this interview phase 
finished up by July or August. So okay. it gives women a little bit of time. But now, you know, now's the time that I'm really focusing. So if any women who are listening are interested in being involved and have had their baby in the last two years, I'm super keen to hear from you so that we can get some of this, you know, women's experiences down on paper and, and start writing all of the mm. things that are fulminating in my head already. <laughs> yeah, I actually think the key to some of this um, is actually going through the birth workers, not necessarily. I, th- I think you'll get a few through yeah. months, but I hitting back on that point that so many people don't even realise they've had a traumatic birth and that people are very invested and interested in validating and hearing that experience. Yeah. This is partly why I wanted to showcase you a bit here because I think part of that is going to be through the established relationships that people have with their care providers already saying okay (laughs) this is the time limit I've got on my shift but here here is an option and it's not sort of throwing it as a like well here's a sort of defunct like debrief that we're going to sort of try and do to meet needs that maybe is going to meet some but not all of your needs it's it's another avenue for people to get that validation and sense of community and support and that somebody actually does give a shit about what happened to them. So I think there's a funnel there <laughs> through yeah. going through the birth workers who will have people in mind going, ah, I know someone who might want to do that. Ah, I know someone who might want to do that. So other than healthy, low risk, healthy baby, all that kind of stuff, vaginal birth, are there any time limits on how long ago it can yeah. been? Yeah, it's just... Um, we did a little bit of research into recount. So obviously trauma is something that women never forget. Mm. Um, and I totally acknowledge that. Um, but we did find a little bit about the sort of recount of events. Some, sometimes women's memory can change a little bit on, you know, the exact time that this happened and that happened, that happened that we sort of talked through. So we're looking for women who have had a baby in the last two years. So sort of essentially that would be from when up until August, I would say when I'm finishing my interviews. So from August, 2020 to yeah, back to 2018. Yeah. All right. Anything else that people need to know, I suppose that we haven't covered? Um, Oh, Hello, baby. What are you up to? Um, Look, I would love to be able to, the thing that's really important to me, or just it's not the main focus, but I would love to be able to get this published because then it's going to become more widespread rather Mm. than just me presenting my findings um, to local hospitals or um, to present at conferences. Um, so for me to be able to have this published in a journal so it becomes more widespread about what, you know, Australia-wide or even internationally, um, the Australian journals in midwifery are quite round and used um, by healthcare networks internationally. Um, so for me to be able to try and get published in there, I really need a good sturdy study um, with a good amount of, of women who are sharing their experiences. So I would love to be able to get many women who are interview, interested in interviewing so that we can get this info out there. And I'm going to ask you a scary question now. Do you have plans to go beyond honours? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, oh, I, I always have. I would, I would love to do a PhD. Um, but I, the honours with juggling life at the moment, the mm. honours is is taking its toll. <laughs> yeah, um, I can imagine. Yes. So maybe once my kids are a little bit older um, and I have some more time on my hands, then I will begin the journey of the PhD. It's a bit like someone asking you, so when are you having another one? You're like, yeah. oh, just, just let me focus on this one right now. Totally. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. I just know there are going to be compassionate, hardworking amazing people listening who are going to want to help you with this because I think the birth community when it's functioning at its best and most optimal is actually a really passionate supportive team of people so 100% I know hundreds of incredible midwives and I know that there are thousands more out there many of whom would be listening so as much as we do sometimes talk about the downsides of the net the healthcare systems there's some incredible things going on out there because i i see it every day when i'm practicing yeah and it's that next action step for people who are always like well what can i do how can i help something like this helps and i think having even though it's something people are aware of we know on the periphery yes research helps we need research but until you actually sit down and go oh actually things don't change unless this happens things don't yep. get cemented so i'm glad that we yep. had the opportunity to help you out if we can thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to have a chat about it i really appreciate it oh my pleasure take time to move today's conversation through your body get up go for a walk have a shower dance in the kitchen do something to shift any tension that might have come up my birth trauma training for birth workers course is a great place to start for further training in birth trauma it's equal parts personal and professional development you can enroll at any time and it's endorsed by the australian college of midwives for 16 points the link is in the show notes and you can also head to dr erin dot com dot au now hope is a doing word my hope is that warm empathic intuitive workers will stay in birth but we need to do something take a big step and work on some of the fears that you have to stay in the helping and healing professions you do need your own help no one can self-improve in isolation and there's no perfect time you'll never be ready but do it anyway if you want to coach with me using the burn bright without burning out method that I've used with my own exhaustion, imposter fears and feeling overwhelmed, then let me help you. Let me help you to actually live a life so full of joy that you don't need to find escape from it. Reach out to me, drerin.com.au or at drerinbow on Instagram. Thank you for making time for yourself to feel uncomfortable and grow and learn. It's beautiful. I thank you so much for allowing me to speak my passions and do my soul work. Mm-hmm.